did check. There we go. So thank you, band, for leading us in worship. So today we start week six. Can you believe that it has been six weeks? Today is the sixth Wednesday night that we have started since uh, we started the semester back in January. Seems like it's going by quick. Uh, believe it or not, believe it or not, spring break is just around the corner. After today, about three to four weeks away, about four weeks away. It's going to go by quick for most of us here. But I'm so excited. We've been talking about worship for six weeks now. We've been talking about what it means to love God. Today is week six of our series called Wired for Worship. And we named our series Wired for Worship because we believe that everybody worships. Everybody loves something. Everybody gives their love to something or someone. That's why we call this Wired for Worship, because we believe that everybody is a worshiper. doesn't necessarily mean we all worship God, but we all are created to love, to worship. And of course, we've been talking about what it means to love God. You know, when I think about how we're starting 2020, this decade, I think about how a lot has changed in the last 10 years, and a lot will change in the next 10 years. But can you think about this for a moment? This might be kind of weird for you. A lot has happened in this last decade. Like, for example, if you are 16 years old, how old were you 10 years ago at the beginning of the last decade? You were six years old. If you're 18, if you're an upperclassman here and you're a senior in high school, 10 years ago, you were eight years old, the age of my little girl. She's turning eight this year. You were, I mean, you were like my little girl, Lydia, who you saw running through here as fast as she could before we started Remedy. And she's just like sprint. She's like, she's like this tall. Okay. She's a little, maybe not that tall, but you know, she's like right here. I mean, 10 years ago, if you're 18, you were, if you're in middle school here, if you are 13 years old, you became a teenager this year. 10 years ago, you were three. You were still like running around in a diaper, late potty trainer. That, that, all right. That was, might've been you 10 years ago. So a lot of cool things have happened in this decade. Consider that 10 years ago, the iPhone was only three years old. Some of you probably had like, what, maybe the iPhone 4S or maybe not, maybe you didn't have a phone at all. But if you're not an iPhone, if you're not an iPhone person, if you have a Samsung Galaxy, 10 years ago, the Galaxy was only a year old. This new phone, the Samsung Galaxy, a year old. Any Galaxy people here, Samsung people here? Okay, that's all, I'm sorry, just put your hand down. It's okay, it's all right, it's all right, okay? So, but can you think for a second, listen to this. Can you consider for a second where we might be in another 10 years? When we get to 2030, at the end of this decade, they're saying that in the next decade, that we are gonna be such a smart society not with smart people, but with smart things like smart homes. You're going to have smart cars that are smarter than they are now, driverless cars. In fact, maybe you already saw the, the I, just a few weeks ago, I saw the Super Bowl commercial where they're talking with the Boston accent and they're talking about, he's talking to his car and his car reverses and parks itself. Well, where are we going to be in another 10 years if they're already coming out with stuff like that? They're saying that in 10 years, NASA might have a base on the moon. We're not actually going to be just landing on the moon, but we'll have a base on the moon. So if you don't like the earth, you can go live on the moon. That's not actually what they're saying, but we'll have a base on the moon. And I actually want to show you this picture right here because SpaceX says that we will, this is the decade that they are going to try to land on Mars. And this picture right here is a SpaceX um, SpaceX uh, Mars mission, which is actually just in our backyard. That's near Brownsville. That's at Boca Chica Beach, just right at the edge of Brownsville. So that's really close to us. If you don't know, they are building this. They're testing all these prototypes 
because they say this is the decade that we're going to be on the planet Mars. We're going to go to Mars, okay? Anybody want to go to Mars? Yeah, I, I know. Thank you, okay? But um, they're saying that somebody or something is going to go to Mars, okay? Something's going to go to Mars. I think initially they said they're going to send like some plants to Mars to see if the plants live or die or something like that. All right. So listen, a lot has changed over the years and plenty is going to change in the next decade. But can I just say this really quick? I want to, I want you to understand this, that while so much has changed and will change, there's one thing that hasn't changed in many years, in decades, uh, centuries. And it's this, that for decades and centuries now, people have loved God and even against like the worst oppression, people will have continued to love God and will always continue to love God. That will certainly not change. From the time that Jesus walked on this earth, had followers called disciples, that's what we call followers of Jesus Christ. And from the time that Jesus actually left this earth, people have loved Jesus Christ with all that they are. Okay, so we're going to today we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, and um, it'll also be on the screen if you don't have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone. That's totally fine for today. And so I want to give you just a little bit of background on what's happening in this passage, all right? So first of all, in this passage, we, we already know that a few things have happened, okay? Jesus was sent by God, and he lived this perfect life on earth. He did miracles. He performed miracles. He healed people. He touched the blind man and healed him. He did all kinds of miracles throughout his life. He taught in a powerful way, and people were like, we've never heard anybody talk like this or teach like this. So Jesus has lived this perfect life here on earth, sent by God to live a perfect life. Even when he was faced with temptation and stuff like that, he still lived this perfect life. Jesus had already been, in our story today, Jesus had already been crucified. He'd already died on a cross. He'd already died, um, was executed, died like a criminal next to two criminals. He was crucified on the cross. And in our story today, he has he had already been buried. He'd already been buried on the cross, uh, buried uh, from, the, from dying on the cross. He'd been buried. And in our story today, he has also already resurrected. He's already come back to life. He's already come back to from the dead. And I want to show you this painting here because after he came back from the dead, he appeared to his followers, to his disciples. There's this very famous painting here and it's a painting of Thomas looking at the wounds of Jesus Christ. This painting right here is actually in the Met, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which I've actually been to twice now. And every time I go there, I, I spent hours and hours there. I can be there probably for an entire day, six to eight hours, just till I'm exhausted walking around with Hannah looking at famous artwork. This is a famous painting called The Incredulity of St. Thomas. Incredulity means like the disbelief or like the skepticism or the skeptical nature of somebody or something. And so in this painting, you see what is taught. And I love how um, the uh, painter here, how he, um, he depicts the astonishment on their face. I really like that about this painting, that there is this sense of astonishment as we know that this is from the story of Jesus appearing to his disciples and then being afraid and even doubting that he's alive. Well, in our story today, this has already happened. He also has already eaten with the disciples. He's actually come back from the dead, from being buried and dead for three days. And he, he wants breakfast. He asks them for food and he sits by a campfire. And at this campfire, they come and they meet with Jesus. They talk to him. They realize that he's alive and he's asking them for food. And as Jesus is talking with them, I love a few things about Jesus Christ. He handles their doubt. Like he allows them to doubt and wonder if he really came back from the dead. And he handles their doubt. He talks to them about it. He's able to work through their doubt with them. It says that he also opened their minds so they could understand scripture. Like he sat with them and he said, 
uh, do you guys remember that before I was crucified on the cross, I actually told you that it was God's plan for me to die on the cross um, for mankind's sin and that I would be buried and that I'd come back to life. And then it's like their mind, the Bible says that their minds were open to understand what Jesus was saying before and they didn't get it before. And now they said, oh, we get it now. We just thought you were dead and gone forever. So Jesus opens their mind to understand more of what he was talking about. And then Jesus gives them this mission. He says, you have this mission. I am going to leave. But before I leave, you have a mission. He gives them a mission that we've talked about in the past. We're not going to talk about it tonight. So today we're in Luke chapter 24. And our passage for today is just three verses, three very short verses. But these verses right here are packed with so much meaning for us today. Okay. So I'm going to read it out loud. This is what it says. Verse 50, Luke chapter 24, verse 50, it says, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, Bethany is the name of the town. It's also my daughter's name, but Bethany is the name of the town in this story. And Jesus leads them to the outskirts of the town. It says, he lifted up his hand and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. And then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. There's a few things that are happening in this passage. The first thing I want to say about this passage that we see here today is, first of all, this passage is about Jesus appearing to his followers after his death and resurrection. He's come back to life. He's spoken to them a lot. He said a lot of things to them, and you can read about that in the Bible, what he said to them. But then before he, uh, after he speaks to them, then he leaves and he ascends to heaven. It's this famous story called the ascension. There's a lot of artwork about that too. All right, so in this passage, number one, Jesus blessed the, the, his followers. He blessed them, it says, and he set them apart. It says that he led them to the outskirts. He turned to them and he lifted his hands and he said, I bless you. Now, what does that actually mean for Jesus to say, I bless you? Well, to bless somebody is to announce God's goodness on somebody. If I say to Brian up here in the front row, Brian, I just want to bless you today, man. Um, I know that initially it always sounds like we're talking about material things like, oh, he's going to bless me. He's going to give me $10 or he's going to give me something, right? Material. Okay. But to bless somebody is actually to announce God's goodness. So if I say, Brian, I bless you. I bless you guys in the front row here. I bless you in the, or the back. What I'm actually saying or what that actually means is I am announcing that I hope that God um, um, puts his favor his goodness, his favor on you, that God's goodness would be upon It'd be like saying, Brian, may God's goodness be on you today. May God's favor be on you today. So Jesus has given them a mission. He says, I bless you. Now, my, may God's goodness be on you. And you know, listen, I just want to say this. In a world that we live in that is full of so much pain and hurt, maybe you have felt that, maybe you've seen others feel that. In a world that is filled with so much stress and anxiety, I don't know if any of you have ever had a panic attack before in a world that is filled with so much fear, so much fear and conflict. I don't know about you, but if God's blessing is his goodness on us, then in a world with so many messed up things, man, I want God's blessing. I want God's blessing on my life, his goodness on me in the middle of so many things that are so messed up. In the middle of your life, no matter what kind of things you might be going through in life, you want God's goodness on you, definitely. So Jesus blesses them. He sets them apart. He blesses them. And the question I want to ask is this. Are you and I living every day in God's blessing? Are you living with God's blessing on your life? I just described a lot of different kind of 
bad things that people can go through, difficult situations in life that people can go through. But even in the midst of all of that, are we walking in all of God's blessing? Maybe this is kind of a new concept for you, but do you actually believe that you can and should be living life with God's blessing on you? And I'm not talking about necessarily money or things like that, but I'm talking about the goodness of God, the love of God, the favor of God on your life. Followers of Jesus Christ will be blessed by God. So for those of us here who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we're his disciples. And we need to know as followers of Jesus Christ that just like he turned and blessed his followers here, he also blesses us. He blesses you. He turns to his followers, his children, his people, and he says, may God's favor be on you. May it fall upon you. All right, number two. When Jesus, in this passage, we see that Jesus ascends And when he ascends, he ascends as someone that should be worshipped. I don't know about you, but I've never physically seen somebody levitate, elevate all the way to the heights of heaven until I can't see them anymore. Um, I think the last time I saw that was, I think, maybe Iron Man 3, when Hannah and I watched it the other day on Amazon Prime. Okay, I was like, look, there goes Iron Man. He goes off into the sky. He's gone. He's out of sight, right? Okay, so in this passage right here, It says in verse 51 that Jesus blessed them, and as he was blessing them, he left them. Um, It it wasn't that his entourage showed up in a limo and he got in and drove away. He literally levitated. He lifted up off the ground, was taken up into the heavens. And in Acts, it actually says, like the firsthand account, the eyewitnesses that actually saw it happen, they said that that he was taken up before their very eyes until they could no longer see him because the clouds had finally hidden him from their sight. That's what actually happened. This is a famous painting, another famous painting I want to show you here. This one also is in the Met. And you see in this famous painting here, you just see Jesus' feet. It's a very old painting from the 1500s. You just see Jesus' feet as he's ascending and everybody's kind of watching him and wondering what in the world is going on. Now, here's the thing. I've never seen anybody ascend like this. Jesus' ascension shows that his power is, um, that he has power over all. He was not just a man who died. He wasn't just a human who lived and breathed with blood, sweat, and tears, but that he actually had power, and he had power over everything. And his ascension demonstrates this. His ascension, this physical leaving the earth and rising to heaven, is a big deal. If anybody ever had any doubt about whether or not Jesus was powerful, all they would need to do is watch this story in real time. Jesus ascending to heaven. That's the kind of power that he had. This, story, this also shows us the way Jesus was exalted. Jesus was lifted on high for all of his followers to see and say, wow, look at Jesus. Consider that for a second. Okay, so changing paces here just a little bit. Anybody ever see the movie uh, Infinity War or Endgame or both of them? Yeah, just raise your hand. Okay, any Avengers fans in here? Okay, so there's this character in Avengers. His name is Ebony Maw. Anybody know this guy? Ebony Maw, anybody, any big Avengers fan here? So this guy is like... He's serious, man. And he, he, in Avengers, he goes and he takes on uh, Dr. Strange. You guys remember that? Dr. Strange, he goes to New York. He goes and takes on Dr. Strange. So anyway, in the movie, and he, this is Ebony Maw, by the way. I'm just going to introduce you, okay? But in the movie, he is always at Thanos' right hand. He loves Thanos. He worships Thanos. He does everything that Thanos wants. He, he lives to see Thanos' mission accomplished. And there was this line when I was watching the movie for the very first time, there was this line and it just struck me so hard because uh, 
this line just, it was like, wow, what is he talking about here? This is what he says. Uh, it is, it's when he takes the Tesseract and he gives it to Thanos. Any, any um, sci-fi geeks here like me? Anybody? Yeah, okay, okay. So he takes the Tesseract, which is what's going on in this photo, and he goes to Thanos and he kneels before Thanos and he says this, my humble personage bows before your grandeur. No other being has ever the might, nay, the nobility to wield not one, but two infinity stones. The universe lies within your grasp. And when I saw that scene, I thought to myself, wow, there is some high level worship going on in this scene right here. He is bowing down before Thanos. He has two infinity stones and he acknowledges the grandeur, the power. Nobody has ever wielded two of the stones. We know, I'm going to spoil it for you, that he gets all of them and he becomes the most powerful being that has ever existed, wielding all five stones. But here's the crazy thing. Here's the funny thing. As I, as I watch this scene, because, you know, I, I love God and so much of what I process is through what I know about God, right? I'm an Avengers fan. But when I saw this scene, I thought to myself, man, there's some high level worship happening here. Now, don't miss this. Listen to me. Ebony's, Ebony Maul's worship, his love, where he's placed his, his value, his love, is definitely misplaced because what makes Thanos powerful is, his, is the infinity stones. And when the stones are gone, Thanos' power is what? It's gone. It's gone. See, in our story here, you guys like, what does that have to do with our story today? That's so weird, okay? Here's the thing. When the disciples, when the followers of Jesus Christ see him ascend to heaven, okay, they see Jesus with a power that is not going to be lost because infinity stones are destroyed. They see Jesus with all the power of his father, with a power that will never end and never die, the most powerful most powerful above all. And when they see Jesus this way in our story, they, they worship Jesus. They worship him. They love him and worship him as the most powerful, the most powerful. So that's number three. Number three is just that the disciples, they see this happen and they worship Jesus and then they obey Jesus. So this is what they do. It says that they saw Jesus in verse 52. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. This is what they do. They see Jesus ascend. They're in amazement at what Jesus has done, who he is, what he's done, what he's demonstrated. And because of that, they love him so much and they worship him. And then after they worship him, it says that they return back to the city, Jerusalem, and that when they're there, that they're filled with this great joy. Now, don't miss this. Listen to me. Don't miss this. Okay? A great Love for God will always precede great joy in our lives. And if you want joy in your life, a joy that can't be taken from you because of circumstances, start with a great love for God. When you love God more than anything, when you love Jesus Christ more than anything, what you are going to be filled with is a great joy. This joy will kick so many things in our lives. Anxiety, pain, fear, hurt. I want this kind of a joy. I desperately do. This great joy comes 
from worship. And then it says that they obey Jesus. It says that before this happened, Jesus said, when I leave you, he says, go back to the city and wait, wait there. If you want to read the rest of the story, what were they waiting for? You can go and read in your Bibles, go, go to the book of Acts and read chapters one and two, and you'll see what they were waiting for. But after they saw Jesus ascend, they were amazed. They worshiped him. They went back and they did what Jesus said. They waited. And that's kind of the last thing I want us to learn here today. The last thing I want us to learn from this story is that Jesus didn't just bless them and say, go do whatever you want. Jesus, Jesus showed them his power by ascending to heaven. They reacted by worshiping Jesus and were filled with joy. And then they went and obeyed Jesus. So here's the last thing I want us to learn. The last thing I want us to learn is this, is that when we are worshiping God, listen to me, listen to me, last point of the day. It's a long day for you, I know. Long day. Your day probably started at 6 a.m. You've been awake for more than, oh, five, I'm sorry. Wow, okay. Mine started at seven. All right, so here we go. Listen, last point of the day. Listen, When we worship Jesus, when we love him, what follows is a desire to obey him, okay? You'll never hear me say, I've said this before, you'll never hear me say, what's wrong with you? Obey God, obey Jesus. You should be doing this, you should be doing that. What I will say to us all the time is love God, love Jesus more. When we love Jesus we are filled with this desire to leave behind sin and to follow Jesus and obey him. That's where obedience comes from. Obedience is fueled, like the fuel to obey Jesus is worship. It's love. It's loving Jesus, and that fuels, changes. It doesn't just fuel, it changes our desire. We don't desire the same things anymore. We desire to love Jesus and to obey him. And that makes all the difference in the world. You know, I've talked to you sometimes and sometimes you tell me, Marcus, I'm really trying. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to do more. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And I see how much uh, tension is in your life that you're going through. And sometimes I just want to tell you, hey, what if you stopped trying for a minute and replaced that trying, that effort, with loving God, worshiping Jesus, being surrendered to Jesus, because what's going to follow is obeying Jesus, obeying him. All right, let's pray. God, I want to thank you for this really short, simple story. We see so much, God. We see how powerful you are. And God, I, I do want to admit that we live in a world today that is so, so jaded to anything amazing we've seen so many things in movies and and uh, and stuff like that that it takes a lot for us to be amazed anymore god uh but lord if we were in this story and even if this was today before our very eyes if we were to see you jesus ascend to heaven lord we would be amazed and we would fall before you and worship you and love you so forgive us, God, that today there's so much that has distracted us, distracted us from worshiping you, God. So Lord, by your power, by your goodness, by your love, God, will you get our attention again, that we would fix our eyes on you, Jesus, and love you 
more. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And we want to love you more. Thanks again for this time, God. Pray, God, as we go to groups right now, that'd be a meaningful time that we get to talk and get to know other people better and build friendships, celebrate all that has happened in our lives, um, and talk about some of these things in our groups. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Right, a couple announcements. I'm gonna let you get to groups. Uh, main announcement is this: uh, it's still you still have a little bit of time to register for one weekend, um, but you need to get on that today. So when we finish church tonight, I'll be at the door. I'll have some flyers for you to take home. You can go home, jump online, register online for that. Next week, next Wednesday is our one weekend top ten. Our top ten ways to have a great one weekend student conference. We do this every year. I think this is the third or fourth year that we do the one weekend top ten. That's next week, so show up ready to go. Um, and uh, we are gonna, next week is all about one weekend and how to have a great weekend conference together. We're doing this conference with um, BT McAllen, BT Church. We're doing this conference with First Edinburgh. First McAllen is joining us in here. They got a new youth pastor there and he's an awesome guy. I'm really glad they're gonna join us. We love getting to know him. Um, and, and some other churches too, CCLNE from like the far area, and uh, some others are going to be joining us. So it's going to be a great time together. Hoping to see about 500 students there. It's going to be a great weekend. So get registered for that. Okay, group time. If, you don't, if you're new here and don't know where your groups meet or where your groups are, just come up to the front right now and I'll talk to you. I'll help you find your group. Everybody else, you know where your groups meet. Um, ladies, all the classrooms upstairs are unlocked for you all. And uh, it was really great to see you all tonight. Um, some great things coming up. Actually, I have one more announcement. Very important that I forgot. Actually, a few. Uh, Eli, I'm remembering a few of them now. Um, on Sunday, we passed out 700 fundraiser tickets to students, all right? So if you want fundraiser tickets for camp, um, after this week, you only have four more weeks to sell, so you need to get them today. If you want fundraiser tickets, just come by the desk after church. I will sign you out fundraiser tickets that you can sell to fundraise for summer camp. And last announcement is if you want to run a 5K with Eli and I, we're training, man. Eli, I ran yesterday, man. It was hard, but I left here at five and went to the park, ran, went home and had dinner, okay? So if you want to run a 5K or run, walk a 5K with us, you're more than welcome to. You can register at farparks.com. It's the St. Patrick's Day run. It's like the first Saturday of your spring break. I know like about 10 of you have said you want to run with us, so get registered. If you register before Sunday, listen, I'm sorry. No, I messed that up. Erase that from your mind. If you register before Wednesday, you get a t-shirt. I'm sorry. Ah. Hannah, help me out, please. If you register before Friday of this week, you get a t-shirt. The t-shirt deadline is this Friday. So if you want to run with us, sign up. Go to farparks.com. Some people are like, why would you want to pay to go run? Well, this isn't for you, okay? All right. But if you want to come run with us, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Eli and I Eli, Eli and I are like, we're, we're trying really hard. All right, so... I think it's $15. Yeah, all right. You can register online. Where you don't register with us, it's not our deal. We're just going to run, and we want to invite you to come run with us, okay? All right. Uh, we're not fast either, okay? Just, we're just, yeah, just trying to get healthy, all right? All right, cool. Okay, enjoy your group time. We'll see you all.